Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome into the Nick Bob podcast. Coming to you live from the AOI studios, a.k.a. my basement office. Absolutely loving it here. I could just spend all day in here. When I was making my my office into a podcast room, I had a vision of what I wanted, and AOI made it come true. The desk, the design of it, the chairs, it just looks great. It's comfortable. I love it. And I've told you about the desk and the Aeron chair from Herman Miller, but AOI does it all. Whether it's construction or furniture, AOI will help make your ideas a reality just like they did for me. You got to check out AOI on the web, AOICorp.com. Dot com or give them a ring at 402-896-5520. It is Thursday, March 5th, uh, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I I just, I, I it's therapeutic for me to to do a mailbag at least once a month. So I said, you know what, we got to we gotta fire up the old mailbag before we get into conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. And then before you know it, Nebraska spring football is coming up. So we're going to have a lot of uh, big things to get to. Uh, so I was like, you know, we better, we better get our, our mailbag game right uh, because I, I need it, man. I absolutely need it. So I, I put it out there on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, to to leave me some questions, or you could email me, nick at nickbaugh.com, nick at nickbaugh.com. I always feel like such an arrogant a-hole. When, I don't know why. Something about telling someone, hey, you like your name.com, like, yeah, just send it to nick at nickbaugh.com. It's like, geez, someone's a little full of themselves, but that's just how it is. Uh, and so I got, man, I, I bet I got like 30 questions, maybe more than that, 30, 35 questions between Facebook, Twitter, and email. And it is, it's like hard to, I was, you know, going through them all, figuring out which ones I, I was like, all right, that one's got to be in there. There's some great ones that I had to leave out just because of, you know, you can't sit here and talk for eight hours, but I think I, I got to narrow down about 17, 18 questions. So without further ado, let, let's dive into, dive into this thing, huh? Let's start on Facebook and let's go to Craig. And this isn't like, there's a lot of questions like this, but it's it's interesting. He says, uh, Nick, which happens first? Frost and company wins the Big Ten West or Hoiberg leads Nebraska basketball to a first NCAA tournament win? Now, we always get questions like that. Hey, what happens first? This, this, or this, you know, and here's here's how I, I look at it. After two years of frost and this first year of Nebraska basketball, it, it feels like both are a long ways away, right? I don't think that's too hot of a take. Nebraska's football's now had losing seasons in three straight years. Um, you look at what basketball did this year. I mean, they feel like they're a long ways away. And I used to always, whenever I'd get this question, because I've had this question before, I used to always say football when this sort of thing gets thrown out of, hey, what happens first type of question. But you know what? I think I'm going to say basketball, and here's why. So like I said, both programs feel like they're a long ways away right now. And because of the nature of the two sports, basketball and football, and how it just usually takes longer to build things up in football, whereas in basketball, 
you get one or two big time players and boom, you're ready to make some noise. You know, like that's just how the two sports are are vastly different. And I think when I look at Fred Hoiberg and what he's doing with the transfers and and who he's got sitting out and who he's still recruiting, I think he's going to have an influx of new guys coming in that are more talented. If if the if I knew that this this same core group for for Nebraska was going to be the only guys like if the 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 team is just from this year, that's the only guys that are, are going to be playing moving forward, then I would probably lean football. Because I've told you before, I just don't think this this current Nebraska basketball roster is talented enough. But the transfers that are that are going to be coming in, they are talented enough. Shamil Stevenson, Delano Banton, Derek Walker, Kobe King. like They, they are talented enough. Teddy Allen. And, so, and that's where basketball is just so different. You can have a brand new core group in one year football you can't do that you can't flip the roster like that football it takes time football's a depth sport it's a weak link sport sometimes like football is like you're only as good as your weak link basketball sometimes you're only as good as your best player and so it's just the nature of the sports are different so oddly enough I'm going to say basketball wins an NCAA tournament game first before Frost and the company win the Big Ten West. But they both feel like they're a long ways away. They both feel like they're a long ways away. All right, uh, another Facebook question from my guy, John Fanta. Big East, Fox, does it all. You see him on Big East Shoot Around. I mean, his, uh, he's, he's the hardest working man in show business. Uh, John says, give me your, all, your first team All-America group, your, your All-America first team, and then a mid-major outside of San Diego State slash Dayton that can make some noise in the NCAA tournament. Okay, so my first team All-Americans right now would be this. I would have Obi Toppin of, of Dayton. Guy's just a stud. Uh, you know, He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. He's been incredible. Then I'd have Luca Garza at Iowa. He's been tremendous. It's been amazing to watch how much he's improved. He can shoot the three. He can beat you in the post. He can also shoot mid-range a little bit like he's a stud. Then I'd have Miles Powell of Seton Hall. Uh, you know, guy's just a relentless score. You know, he's learned how to make his teammates better. And then the next two, I I think Peyton Pritchard at Oregon is a first team All American. Now I I watched Oregon a lot because of who I played. I played for Coach Altman, played for Dana Altman. He's coached at Oregon, so I pay close attention. Peyton Pritchard is the best player that doesn't get talked about enough in the country. So I would have Peyton Pritchard as as an All American, and then I would I I'm, I don't know how you don't have Devon Dotson in there. And I know I'm giving Marcus Howard the snub, but it's like man, Kansas number one team in the country. They are going to be the number one overall seed, barring some massive collapse here. And Devon Dotson's the the guy, man. Now, I know Azubuki anchors him inside, and they got help on the on the wings, but Dotson is the dude. Dotson is the dude. So that would be my first team All American: Obi Toppin, Luca Garza, Peyton Pritchard, Miles Powell, and Devon Dotson. And then, as, in terms of two uh, mid majors that can make some or a mid major that can make some noise, I'm going to give two names. The the um a team you need to be aware of is East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State and then BYU. Now, I, I won't spend too much time on BYU because you probably have watched them play. You know, th- they're, you know, with uh, 
with how the the Mormon missions work, I mean, they got a bunch of of you know grizzled veterans, 22, 23 years old. There are a bunch of juniors and seniors. BYU is electric offensively. Uh, I think BYU is is Sweet 16 good, but East Tennessee State. Creighton played East Tennessee State last season, and I actually had the game on Fox, and I was blown away at how good East Tennessee State was. I remember talking before the game, Coach McDermott was like, I'm telling you, man, this team's really good. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like lots of coaches say that, you know, it's like coaches could be playing like some, you know, crap state at a crap conference, you know, and they're like, tell you what, against crap state, we better have our A game or crap state will beat it. You know, like I remember I was like, okay, whatever, Coach McDermott, you're just, you're just saying that. But man, these dudes Steve Forbes is their head coach. He's a big junior college uh, recruiter. And man, I was blown away watching them in person last year. They return a bunch of their guys. They're a bunch of juniors and seniors. They're 27-4 and four this season. Bo Hodges and Trey Boyd, two all SoCon conference guards. They're big. They rebound. They're physical. I'm just telling you right now, look out. East Tennessee State is a team that can make some noise in the NCAA tournament. So those would be the two, BYU and East Tennessee State. Uh, staying on uh, in, in the Facebook world, Steven says, Nick, how would you compare the 2013-2014 Blue Jay team, which was Doug McDermott's senior year, to this year's Creighton team? Seems like this year's team has a higher ceiling where any player is dangerous from any given moment. Thanks, Nick. Love the pod. Keep crushing it. Thanks, Steve. So this, yeah, like, okay, so when you look at Doug McDermott's senior year team and this team this year, the 2020 Blue Jays, this year's team is more athletic and their guards are better. That's not to get some of these b- former Blue Jays that listen to this pod up so with me. I mean, I love Jahins Managan. I love Austin Chapman. And I love Grant Gibbs. Those are my guys. But I just when I look at Zegarowski, Mitch Ballock, and Tyson Alexander, those three guys are are they're just a better group of guards. Neither team really had any size. You know, that year Doug McDermott and Ethan Rogge started at the four and the five at six foot seven and six foot seven. You know, Creighton starts Christian Bishop at six seven this year, and then they'll play Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson at the four and the five at six foot five. They're so they're similar in that regard. They're also similar in like both teams are super connected, great chemistry, great passing teams. I mean, the biggest separator is Doug, right? Like one team had the best player in the country. But what's interesting is I think when you compare, like there's been with Creighton having a magical year, there's just been lots of conversations about okay, where does this team rank in the all-time pantheon of great Creighton teams? And of of late, you think about Doug senior year, you think about the 2017 team that was Watson, Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, Cole Huff, Justin Patton. That team was, what, 17-1 and before Watson tore his ACL. And then you think about this year's team. When you, when you kind of look at all three of those teams, I think the 2017 team was the most talented team, one through five. I think the 2013-2014 team, Doug senior year, had the best player in Doug McDermott. But... I'm starting. I think this is the best team. This year's 2020 Creighton Blue Jays is the best team. Just because those three guards, man, they are on another level. 
And not only are they on another level from just like a, a talent and ability standpoint, I just trust those dudes. Like their, their, their consistency, their thought process, how they approach the game. But it's interesting when you kind of compare the, the, the two teams and really you throw the 2017 team in there as well. And again, it's just a testament to Greg McDermott. This guy has built three top 10 to 15 teams in seven years at Creighton. It is incredible what that guy's done in Omaha. I mean, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Let's go to Twitter for some questions. My cousin Scott, loyal listener to the pod, shout out to my, my cousin Scott. <laughs> I'm going to take this question in a different direction, but he, Scott says, looking to improve my golf game, need a mental edge when I stand over a ball. How did you get rid of jitters slash negative thoughts in a game or at the free throw line? I think I either need to meditate or become cocky as hell in my head to overcome the 180 yard shots with trouble left and right. So I like, I think the biggest thing is he talked about free throw shooting. And, you know, with Nebraska's struggles at the free throw line, you know, they, we, we talk, I talked about it on the last pod, they go eight for 30 from the free throw line. Um, I mean, eight for 30, unbelievable. So there's been a lot of thoughts about free throws. And I've told you before, not to toot my own horn, but I was a good free throw shooter. Like I, I still hold the state record for consecutive free throws made. I made 58 in a row in high school. And this, like what I'm about to tell you sounds stupid, but it just, it, it made it made a big difference for me. So my freshman year at Southeast, I was playing j- junior varsity, but I was swinging on to the varsity team. So I, was, I would play JV, and I would swing a little bit, suit up for varsity. And by the end of the year, I was playing uh, you know, a lot on the varsity squad. But throughout practice and early on in the JV season, we would, you know, we shot free throws all the time, and... I remember we had a game at North Platte my in, in when I was a freshman playing on the JV team. And I can't remember who told me this, but I made a bunch of free throws in that game. And one of our assistant coaches, Ryan Pfeiffer, told uh or, or Tony Quatroki told Ryan Pfeiffer, Tony Quatroki was our JV coach, told one of our assistant coaches. He and I, I don't know how this got relayed to me. I must I can't maybe some other coach told me, but my JV coach told him our assistant coaches, Fife, they called him Fife, Ryan Pfeiffer. Fife, I'm not so sure he's not the best free throw shooter in the system. And by system we meant like program. And I don't know what it was about hearing that that just lit my confidence on fire from the free throw line. I mean, just lit it up. So from that point forward, from my freshman year of high school all the way until my senior year at Creighton, anytime I was at the free throw line, anybody that watched me play, I had my my routine was two dribbles, and then I would kind of like, I didn't fully spin the ball like Jordan or something like that, but I would kind of like rotate the ball in my hands, kind of like just feeling it. And I would say what Tony Quatrochi, my JV coach, said to Ryan Pfeiffer, Fife, I'm not so sure he's not the best free throw shooter in the system. And then I would shoot the ball. 
And there was something about that saying that in my head that 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 relaxed me. It gave me confidence, and I ended up being a good free throw shooter. So here's the to answer. My cousin Scott's questions. I, I don't know if there's any sort of like one size fits all. Like, so it's not like I can sit there and say, hey, find a phrase that you you have for yourself and just say that over and over again, but it might work. I mean, find find some phrase, maybe some thought. You know, like you, some people I've heard at the free throw line say, don't leave it short or get it up or, you know, or get rotation or hold your follow through, whatever. In golf, you could think the same thing, you know, like, uh, you know, slow take back, stay down on the ball, like just something that you can repeat to yourself that gets you in the right frame of mind. That's what, that's what helped me as a free throw shooter. Every time Fife, I'm not so sure he's not the best free throw shooter in the system. Then I would breathe, shoot wet. So that's how that, that's what worked for me. <laughs> so if that works for you, good luck with all that. All right, moving along. Brian on Twitter says favorite movie or game to rent from blockbuster back in the day. Oh man. Shout out to Brian Delaney, my former high school football teammate here. Um, first of all, I get it that it was, you know, things are so much more convenient now with like, you don't have to go to like the actual store to buy a CD or a tape and you don't have to go to Blockbuster to rent a movie. You just like click it and it's downloaded. But man, I do kind of miss the whole process of going to like, I really enjoyed having to like go buy a CD to like listen to music. And I really enjoyed like going to Blockbuster was just, Fun. Like it was so much fun going into black, checking the new releases. I mean, the, the, the frustration of like when they didn't have the movie you wanted, like that was all part of the deal, man. That was all part of the deal. But for me, like growing up, I, I remember, I don't know why I didn't buy this game, but I would rent, there was a video game. It was micro machines on Sega Genesis and it was just a racing game with micro machines and you'd race through like the kitchen counter or like on a pool table. I love that game. I should have just bought it with the amount of money my mom spent on me renting this game. We could have bought the game. Oh man, but micro machines on Sega off the chain. Then movies, like I the, I was little, so like I loved renting Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> I liked Angels in the Outfield and I like three ninjas too. I mean, every kid wants to be a ninja when they're growing up. And then, honestly, I'd always uh, I was big on going into the the sports section on in Blockbuster, and I'd rent any uh, NBA Jam session or any like NBA or NFL bloopers. Bloopers used to be big, dog. Bloopers used to be big. You get about forty five minutes of guys slipping and falling and dropping passes and running into each other. Tell you what, you get some pizza rolls. Get yourself a hell of an afternoon when you're like nine years old. So there, there you go. That's uh, that, that's shout out to Blockbuster Video, man. God, I miss you. Jason on Twitter says, Nick, I added, he put an exclamation point behind Nick, so that's why I did. Nick, where do you think Mitch Ballock and Tyson Alexander rank on a list of top Creighton shooters? Top five, top 10. Curious to hear what you think. Okay. So with, I think Mitch Ballock is, he's an all-timer, man. Like here, here would be my Mount Rushmore of Creighton shooters. Mount Rushmore of Creighton shooters. Kyle Korver, Doug McDermott, Ethan Rogge, and Mitch Ballock. If they were going to 
truthfully make a Mount Rushmore outside the CHI Health Center of shooters, those would be the four dudes. Those are the four best three-point shooters to ever wear a Creighton uniform. Corver, Dougie McBuckets, Ethan Roggy Bombs, and Mitch Ballack. Those are the four. So to answer Jason, I think I think Mitch is one of the four best shooters ever. And then after that, that's when you got like Booker Woodfox, uh, Nate Funk. Then I would throw Tyshawn Alexander in there. I would throw, I, I honestly then would throw uh, Marcus Zagorowski in there. I think when it's all said and done, those like that's what's crazy about this Creighton team. When it's all said and done, you could have three of the ten greatest shooters to ever play at Creighton, like in one backcourt. But what's hard is like I view Tyshawn Alexander as more of a great scorer, scorer than a great shooter. But man, you look at his three point numbers; like he's on pace to potentially get to like three hundred made threes in his career, which is crazy. So, you know, I mean, Creighton's kind of been a program that's been known for for three-point shooters and three-point shooting. And, you know, between Kyle Korver, Doug McDermott, Ethan Rogge, and Mitch Ballock, man, that's some big-time shooters right there. Big-time shooters. But I would I would absolutely have, uh, you know, Mitch is in the top four. No question about it. Uh, Joe. Says Nick, Miles Powell is shooting sub 40% from the field in Big East play and 27% from three with 76 to uh, 74 assist turnovers. Uh, there have to be more deserving players than him for Big East player of the year. Who else would you consider for the award? I mean, listen, Tyson Alexander. I don't think he'll win it. Like, I think Miles Powell, like, he, he's going to win. He, it's his award. He's got it. It's over. So, this is all kind of like a moot point. But, like, if we're, if we're keeping it real, like Tyshawn Alexander should be heavily in the conversation. I mean, what he's done defensively against Powell and Howard, and then also scoring the basketball. I think he's third or fourth in the conference in scoring. Tyshawn's been really consistent. And oh, by the way, I mean Creighton's got a chance to win the win the conference this this Saturday against Seton Hall. But you know, the guys that are in the conversation are like. You know, you got Powell, you got Howard, you got Tyson Alexander. I think you could throw Kamar Baldwin in there. And then after that, like, it gets hard. I, I mean, you could pick one of the Nova Cats, a Sadiq Bay probably could be thrown in there. Um, you know, you could maybe pick David Duke of, of Providence, throw him in there. But I think, in all reality, the, the, most, the next most deserving guy to me would be Tyson Alexander. Now, I think Powell's going to win it, but I think Tyson Alexander should be in heavy, heavy, heavy consideration. That That's how I see it. Uh, stay, stay, sticking with uh, Creighton. Rich on Twitter says, Nick, how far is this Creighton team going to get this March? And is there a ceiling on this team for next year? Uh, so... You know, if, if you haven't listened to it, I, I had Jay Billis on my podcast. You should go make sure you go check that out. That's why you got to subscribe to the podcast, by the way, so you don't miss anything. But if you haven't listened, I had Jay Billis on, and I asked him about Creighton and their ceiling this year, and he said Final Four. And, I mean, listen, that's not crazy to say, you know, because this team could end up, Creighton could end up being a three seed, or, you know, if they won out, they could get to a two seed maybe. But, you know, like a, a three seed going to the final four is not crazy, right? 
But at the same time, it's also hard to sit here and say like, yeah, they're going to the final four when they've never even been to the sweet 16, you know? So in terms of, you know, their ceiling this year, I'll just, I'll stop at, at, you know, sweet 16 elite eight. But the reality is when you get to that point, anything is possible. And then to answer Rich's question about next year, you know, then if, if they, if this team brings the entire core back from, from this season, I mean, to me, then you're then you're talking about a preseason top ten team, and when you're talking about a preseason top ten team, I mean, you're you're talking about a, a potential elite eight, final four caliber type of basketball team. That that's kind of the reality of the situation for the Blue Jays. Greg on Twitter says, uh, depending on matchups, is Creighton a better team with both Damian Jefferson and Dan and Denzel Mahoney on the floor and no Bishop? I know how much Bishop brings, but Damian Jefferson and Mahoney can spread the floor and create so many open shots. So, there, good point. You know, I mean, there's no doubt that the small ball of Jefferson and Mahoney can create a lot of opportunities spreading the floor, and those guys are versatile and all that. But the one thing you can't forget about two things with Christian Bishop. Number one is Christian Bishop provides that pick, roll, lob to the rim element, which is huge and is a big part of of a, a headache of what you're trying to do with in guarding Creighton. Like it's Bishop rolling to the basket and the threat of Zegarowski or whoever throwing it up to the rim. I mean, it puts your it puts the defense in such a tough spot. Are you sinking all the way in to try to help out on the roll to take away the lob and leaving the three-point line vacant? When you got you know a Mitch Ballock or a Tyshawn Alexander out there, you know, or are you going to stay attached to the three point line and live with you know lobs to Bishop? That's a predicament. And then the other thing with with Bishop is he's developed into a pretty nice passer and playmaker from the top of the key. You know, Creighton goes five wide, you know, five guys on the perimeter, and Bishop, you know, he'll get at the top of the key and he can go do dribble handoffs and different things and. You know, when he dribbles at a guy for a dribble handoff, they can, you know, the, the guard can either come off the handoff or they can go back door. And Bishop has developed into a nice passer. I mean, he's had five assists in two of Creighton's last three games. He had five assists against Butler. He had five assists against St. John's. Then he just got into foul trouble against Georgetown. But, you know, and Bishop can handle it a little bit. So he can also do the old, he can fake handoff and turn the corner and drive in there. So I don't want to like, you know, I don't I don't want to totally disrespect Bishop and what he brings to the table. But to me this is more about like you're put, to me it's more about pitting Denzel Mahoney versus Christian Bishop. I mean because Denzel Mahoney he is such an added weapon on offense that it that you you want to lean towards him. Like the reality is both Denzel Mahoney and Christian Bishop struggle to guard a, like legit pure good five men, you know? I mean, they're going to struggle to guard Tyree Jones and Omar Yurt Seven and and Nate Watson and and Luca Garza and Jalen Smith and those guys like they they both struggle. But the one thing that Denzel Mahoney brings to the equation is he's a much more offensively gifted player on the other end in terms of stressing out the five man of having to go out and guard Mahoney on the perimeter because Mahoney can shoot the three, he can drive it, he can draw fouls. So it's one of those things like you're you're going to struggle in the post either way defensively. 
So you so you might as well make sure you are capitalizing on the other end of playing small of of stressing out the other five man trying to guard on the perimeter, and that's where Denzel Mahoney is uh, is lethal. So it just varies. I mean, it, Greg McDermott's got options. All I know is I do think this when the when the game is on the line. When the game is on the line, my guess is Denzel Mahoney is going to be on the floor. But that doesn't render Christian Bishop not valuable. He's super, super duper valuable. Uh, Joe says, if you could add one Big East player to this Creighton team, which player would you consider and why? Good question. So, you know, you could you could subscribe to the school of thought of like you just go add the best player possible. You know, go get Miles Powell, go get Marcus Howard. But like Creighton already has like and they already have a surplus of shooting, right? What they need is size. They need a big man. So you look across, you know, you, you look at Romaro Gill or Nate Watson or Theo John or Omer Yurt Seven, but the two that stand out to me would either be Paul Reed of DePaul putting him on Creighton's roster. Oh boy. Or Tyreek Jones of Xavier. And I think I'd go with Tyreek Jones. I mean, that he's the best rebounder in the conference. He is a physical specimen. I mean, big, broad shoulders. You know, you, you can still do the flip-ups to the rim with Tyreek Jones. Uh, you know, he's a great offensive rebounder. He can defend in the post. He can block shots. If, if there would be one guy in the Big East to add to Creighton's roster, if Creighton had Tyreek Jones, oh, Lord. He would be kind of provide what they need in terms of size and, and rim protection and rebounding in the interior. That, that's, how, that's, that's how I see it. Connor on Twitter says, uh, Nick, if you had the opportunity to call a game alongside the great Bill Walton, would you? Honest answers only. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I position myself to all networks out there that I will call any game anywhere, anytime. So my answer is always yes. But with all that said, I'm not a Bill Walton fan. I'm not a huge fan. I mean, yeah, does he every once in a while say some things that'll make me laugh in a game? Sure. But this isn't Comedy Central. We're watching a basketball game. And to me, he takes away from the game. Well, like, and I'm, uh, you might be like, sheesh, you know, wet blanket, Debbie Downer over here. I, I'm far from Mr. No Fun. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm all for it. Like, Bill Raftery has fun and is funny, but he still is like into the game. And, the thing for me is like these games, these games mean a lot to a lot of people, coaches, fans, and most importantly, players. It is like as a, as a Fox College basketball analyst, it's my job to know about every player that's on the floor, know a little bit about their story, their journey, what they do well, how they've been playing, and, and tell that story on national TV. Same thing with the team and the coaches. Again, this, these games mean a lot to a lot of people. And my issue with Bill Walton is like, he, he never even really acknowledges the game at all. I mean, every once in a while in the middle of like a, you know, his tangent about like the, you know, have you seen the volcano in, you know, he'll obviously be like, good pass, but like, that's it. He never acknowledges specific players. Dives into what he, you know, 
what he specifically thinks about guys' games and what they do well. And to me, I think he does all those players a disservice. You know, I mean, again, like I said, these games mean a lot to a lot of people. They mean a lot to a lot of people. And he's just not really like, he, he's, he's, he's becoming the show, not them. The game should never be about the broadcast. It's got to be about the game and the players. So that's how I see it. Uh, last question on uh, Twitter, and then we'll get some email questions. At The Strain, which I can only assume is a Bob Diaco reference, but At The Strain says, uh, J.D. Spielman's situation. Real talk, not radio with advertisers, talk radio. Is this a real health issue or an attempt to transfer without sitting out? If he really has a mental or physical issue, I really wish him the best no matter what. But with rumors this last year, dot, dot, dot. So, again, yeah, J.D. Spielman was announced by the university. He is uh, he is not with the team right now. Um, he is de- apparently dealing with some mental health issues. He's back home. Uh you know, his return is a little bit unknown, although in the press release they, they said they expected him to return to the team. Honestly, man, I don't know. I I don't know what I don't know I don't know what to say. Like I I think there's am I surprised like when I when this news hit, was I surprised? No. Just because has he, as the strain pointed out, there's been rumors like you, you've heard rumors swirling about JD Spielman, about different things. Oh, he's a headache. Oh, he's not getting along well. All those things. Like again, who the hell knows? Who, who the hell knows? I always thought it was odd for him to be so standoffish with the media. Like I don't think he spoke to the media one time this season. If he did, correct me, like I'm talking in the season, I can't recall him ever talking to the media after the game. All that, like that's that's a little odd. Now I'm not saying you got to go be Mister Outgoing, gregarious, going to every you know, doing every single interview. But like you know, I mean, Adrian Martinez went, met with the media every time. You know, like every every Mo Berry, no matter what happened, homeboy went and talked to the media. So I always thought it was odd. I was like, why, why didn't he ever talk to the media? He never talked. So again, I just like you hear the rumors. You, you never talk to the media. You're like, okay, there, might, there, there could be something to this. But I, again, I don't want to talk, speak too much out of pocket here because I don't know. My guess is that he's not coming back. That's my guess. Like you had a gun to my head right now I on March 5th. Do I think he has plays another down for Nebraska? I'd probably say no. But who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? And I guess, you know, stop there. I, I don't know what much more to say because we're, it gets to the point where you're, we're guessing and I don't know. But this is a blow. Like, I think it's a blow. I don't know if it's something you can totally just dismiss. And the big thing is, I think it's a blow to the developments of the quarterbacks for Martinez and and the dudes behind him. Like, there is such now a shortage of wide receivers for spring ball that it's going to make it, like, you need you need all hands on deck every practice. Every practice is huge. You get 15 practices. This team's got a long ways to go. 
And spring ball is huge for this group right now, and it's going to be hard for the quarterbacks to develop and this offense to really develop where there's such a shortage of, of wide receivers. And I've said before, like, Nebraska's identity under Frost is going to be offense, period. Whether or not there's going to be a banner hung in Memorial Stadium or not is going to be all on the offense. And you need all the weapons you can for that to happen. And while I think Wandale Robinson is Nebraska's best player, the reality is J.D. Spielman was their most proven commodity. And he might be gone. So again, this news feels significant. But if all the rumors and everything was true and he wasn't all in and all that stuff, then maybe it could be eventually a good thing. But like I said, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal is. But I think just to, you know, gun to my head, do I think he comes back? I, I would lean towards no. That's, that's just my thought. All right, let's go to, uh, to some email questions. Again, email nick at nickbaugh.com. God, I always just feel like a jerk saying that. But Jeff, Jeff in Fremont says, Nick, if you were a high school senior this year and had a choice to play for Greg McDermott or Fred Hoiberg for the next four years, who would you choose and why? Good question. First of all, I would be incredibly blessed to have those two options. I mean, geez, to play for Greg McDermott or Fred Hoiberg, golly, amazing. Uh, but I... You know, I'm just so much more familiar with Greg McDermott, having been around him for almost 10 years now, that I would say Greg McDermott. Mainly because while Fred Hoiberg and Greg McDermott's systems are similar, play fast, shoot a lot of threes, I do think there are subtle differences within this system. And I think those subtle differences, Greg McDermott style fits me a little bit better. Like Fred Hoiberg is more like he's big on versatility with like across his lineup. I don't quite fit that where Greg McDermott is more about skill and shooting and IQ and sharing the ball. Like that's more, that fits me better. Now, again, both are great. And not only are they great from their style of play, but like both those guys to me are just, they have great sideline demeanors I have the privilege and opportunity to watch them go through practices and shoot arounds and like the way they are with the players is just, just great. You know, for for Fox, we always uh, you know, at the under twelve media timeout and under eight media timeout, we we usually go inside the huddle with the teams that are involved. And you know, anytime you go inside the huddle with Greg McDermott. He's never yelling and screaming. He's, you know, he's, he's calm. He's poised. And I've had producers ask me like, Nick, does coach McDermott ever like scream and yell? I'm like, nah, not really. I mean, he's usually like, he'll get on you, but he's usually pretty calm. I just think both guys and same thing with Fred Hoiberg, like dude is just cool, calm and collected. So man, it'd be a, you, you two great situations to have. I would probably lean Greg McDermott though. That's just because I, I know Mac a little bit better. And I think the subtle differences with their style, I would say Max fits me a little bit better. Uh, next email question is from Matt. It says, hi, Nick. It was nice meeting you in Milwaukee back in January. Shouts out to you, Matt. The old cliche says that missing free throws is contagious. And Sunday sure proved that to be true. Talking about Nebraska going eight for 30. 
but is making free throws also contagious? I did a brief skim of the top five individual free throw shooters in the country, and each of their schools made over 70% as a team and had five or more guys shooting better than 75%. Wow. Is that merely a coincidence? Coincidence, or does having one automatic shooter, 85% or better, positively impact the rest of the team's composure at the free throw line? Looking forward to hopefully hearing you way too <laughs> hearing way too much from you this month. That's from Matt. Matt, appreciate the emails. Nice meeting you two in uh, Milwaukee. So, I would say at the surface, like he, those those numbers he he dove into are interesting because my first thought is that missing free throws is more contagious than making free throws. I you would think like if one way is true, the opposite would be true, but I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I suppose when you have one great free throw shooter going up there and you know it's automatic and the re- and and everyone's making them, you're going to feel a little bit better when you go up to the free throw line. But in my experiences, usually it's it's negative things that are contagious. The only positive thing that's there are two positive things in basketball that are contagious: hustle and unselfishness. Like when when one guy dives on when your teammate dives on the floor after a loose ball, you're a little bit more apt to dive on the floor when you get an opportunity. When your teammate makes an extra pass to you, you're a little bit more apt to make an extra pass to them. So in terms of like good positive things in basketball that are contagious, those are the two things that are contagious. But when I look at free throw shooting, I think it can I think missing can be contagious. Now I think it'd be interesting to look at uh, you know those numbers and dive a little bit deeper into that on how much having top five individual free throw shooter in the country and how much that spills over to the rest of the team. Uh, but I, I would say that making free throws is not really all that contagious, but missing them is is more. Tommy emails says Nick, how do you see the Iowa Hawkeyes? doing in the Big Ten tournament and how far can you see them in the NCAA tournament? Love the pod and huge fan of you and Bo Rude. You guys make make me laugh my ass off out loud listening to you. Keep it the great work. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate you listening, brother. Uh, you know, listen, I, for Iowa, I, I'm just going to keep it to the NCAA tournament. I think Iowa's really good, man. I, I think uh, I think they're a Sweet 16 second weekend team. Uh, I, I think I have a hard time going much further than Sweet 16 with this group. Just because I don't know how, I don't think they have a, dy- a overly dynamic playmaker with the basketball, like in the like from the guard spot. You know what I mean? Like Connor McCaffrey is is a good passer, but he's not really a playmaker, if that makes sense. You know, like a like like in the mold that uh, uh, an Anthony Cowan, a Xavier Simpson, a Cassius Winston would be a great playmaker. And Joe Wieskamp is a scorer more so than a playmaker. C.J. Frederick is more of a shooter than a playmaker. So that would be the the one area that I circle is like eh, I get I you know because when you close your eyes and you think about the Sweet Sixteen teams and the teams that make runs, you picture great ball handling teams. Now Garza is so good that. He's the reason they that that I think they can get to the Sweet 16. So I think they're I think they're a Sweet 16 caliber team. But if I had to say there's one, I don't know if they got a great ball handling playmaker. 
but that that that's kind of how I see it. But I like Iowa. I was able to call a game there at uh, at the at in Iowa City, and it was great. I mean, it was it was outstanding. I, I absolutely loved it there. Logan on uh, via email says, Nick, give me three teams Creighton doesn't want to see in the NCAA tournament. Good question. Because, you know, we talk about matchups matter. I mean, listen, I can give you more than three. But he, before I give you the three specific teams, I think the biggest thing is like what bothers Creighton would be a great big guy. And then coupled with that, a great big guy with a with a team that has shooters around it. Because arguably the most important thing, like in a couple of weeks on Selection Sunday, when you see the matchup and the path for Creighton, here's what you guys need to need to be looking at. Does each team that Creighton could play have at least one bad three-point shooter on their team? Because Creighton can then play off of that guy. They'll you know, stick one, remember it's Mitch Ballack or, or Marcus Zagorowski, stick one guy in the paint, dare that guy to make shots, and then whoever's in the paint can help out defending the post, rebounding, plugging up the lane to make up for their lack of size. That's huge for Creighton. Having at least one player on the other team that doesn't shoot it well, that they can they can play off them and make that guy the helper. So the teams like Gonzaga and Kansas are problematic. Now, the reality is Gonzaga and Kansas are problematic for everybody. But some teams are better suited to handle it than others. Gonzaga is the third tallest team in the country. Philip Petrusiv, a load inside. you know, But they also rank fourth nationally in three-point percentage. Uh-oh. That's a problem. Kansas. I mean, Creighton trying to deal with Azubuki in the post. Oh, boy. And the problem is you bring double teams. All of a sudden now... What, are you going to leave Isaiah Moss and Devon Dotson? You know, and Marcus Garrett and Abaji and Christian Braun. That's that's tough. And then I would say even a team like Florida State. I mean, Florida State's the tallest team in the country, super athletic, super long. Those would be the three, like, there's a certain mold of a team, but if I had to name three, I'd say Kansas, Florida State, and Gonzaga be the three teams that would give Creighton the biggest issues. But again, like, like a, who who would want to see those teams anyways, right? Who, who the heck would want to, to see a Kansas or Florida State or Gonzaga? I mean, that's just how it is. Um, last question here, and we'll wrap this bad boy up because what are we about? Yeah, we're about 45 minutes into this thing. Having a fun one here. It says, uh, it's from Keith. It says, Nick, mowing season is just around the corner. What patterns are you, or what pattern are you going to bust out first to set the tone for the summer? Thanks, Keith. <laughs> All right, Keith. It is mowing season. And if you don't know me, I love, to, I love mowing the lawn. I'm, I enjoy mowing the lawn. I mean, you might as well call me Forrest Gump. Mow that grass for free. But I, I so here, here's, here's how I do it. Let me drop a little mowing knowledge on you guys. You got to hit them with the vertical and the horizontal lines out the gates. Don't get crazy out the gates. It's just like a football game. You don't throw a flea flicker on the first play of the game. You run an ISO, right? You got to establish something to set up the big play, right? 
So I hit him with just vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal. Really establish those vertical and horizontal lines, and then boom, you hit him with that that diagonal, and you set the neighborhood into a frenzy, a full fledged frenzy. And then you go back to you know vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal, then boom, diagonal frenzy. And then as the summer wears on. Then you can get creative and you hit them. You can hit them with the UFO. The UFO is just think of a crop circle. So maybe if you got a, a tree in the middle of your yard, you just mow around that tree and then you just, you, you know, you, you mow out from the circle, just circle, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, when like airplanes are flying over, they're like, damn, homeboy, did a UFO go to that dude's house? They're like, nah, that's just Nick Paul's house. That's just Nick. That's just Nick Boss house. So there you go. Oh God, I, I can't wait to mow. Is there anything better? I mean, mowing's great, man. Throw a podcast in. Get out there. Get a good little sweat. Feel like you accomplished something. Then you stand on your deck or on your front porch and you stare out at it. Nothing better, man. Just little things in life. Just the little things. All right, we'll stop it there. That's like 17, 18 questions, man. I could, I had like 30, 35 questions. I, I had to hold some over for the next mailbag. Those are great. Hey, you guys are the best, man. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I appreciate the, the questions. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Um, make sure you email me, nick at nickbaugh.com. Anytime we do the mailbag, uh, you guys make this fun, man. I absolutely love doing this. Again, it's March, people. It is March. So I'm going to have a bunch of good stuff. I'll have a bunch of different thoughts on, uh, on I'll give out my Big East postseason awards, give some thoughts on the conference tournaments, and then, of course, I'll have a bunch of thoughts on the NCAA tournament. When that, when that bracket gets set, you, the one podcast you got to listen to is my podcast because I am going to do a deep dive on every region and every game and give you the, the, you know, the upsets, the sleepers, who's going to be the Cinderella, which, you know, which – Top seeds are going to march. Which ones are going down? I'll have all that stuff for you, okay? All that stuff. So before you fill out your, your NCAA tournament bracket, you got to listen to your boy, okay? So all that is coming up uh, in the month of March because it uh, it's officially here, the greatest month of the year. March Madness, baby. All right, that'll do it. Again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscribe button. That way you get all of the awesome pods that uh, I'm churning out to you. Uh, And while you're at it, leave a five-star rating and a review. I appreciate everybody uh, making, uh, making some time to listen to the pod. And I will holler at you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.